Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called children of God. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Oh, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so men persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if that salt has lost its saltiness, wherewith shall it be salted again? It's good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but rather on a lampstand, that it might give light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Think not that I have come to destroy the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say unto you, not an iota or a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches men to do so shall be considered least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them shall be considered great in the kingdom of heaven. For truly I say unto you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to the men of old, you shall not kill, and whoever kills shall be liable to the judgment. But I say unto you, Whoever is angry with his brother shall be liable to the judgment. And whoever insults his brother shall be liable to the council. And whoever says to his brother, You fool, shall be liable to the hell of fire. Therefore then, if you are before the altar, there offering your gift, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift before the altar and go first and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. 
Make friends quickly with your accuser on your way with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the jailer and you be put in jail. Again, you have heard that it was said to the men of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whoever looks on a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If therefore then your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be cast into hell. Or if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be cast into hell. Again, you have heard that it was said to the men of old, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except on the grounds of unchastity, makes her an adulteress. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to the men of old, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord that which you have sworn. But I say unto you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool. Neither shall you swear by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shall you swear by one hair of your head, for you can neither make one hair white or black. Let your answer simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. Again, you have heard that it was said to the men of old, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, do not resist one who is evil. If anyone should strike you on the right cheek, turn to him also the other as well. If anyone should sue you and take from you your coat, give him your cloak as well. If anyone should force you to go with him one mile, go with him two instead. Give to him who would beg from you. Do not refuse him who would borrow from you. Again, you have heard that it was said to the men of old, you shall love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. For then you will be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For your heavenly Father causes his Son to rise on the good and the evil, and he sends his rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love only those who love you, what reward is there in that? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? 
or if you salute only your brethren. What more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? But be you perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Beware of practicing your piety before men that you may be seen by them. For then you'll receive no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Therefore, when you give alms, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do, who love to stand in the street corners and in the synagogues that they may be praised by men. Truly I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your alms may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And in praying, do not be as the hypocrites who love to stand in the street corners and in the synagogues that they may be seen by men. Truly I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you pray, enter into your closet and close the door. And when you have Close the door. Pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And in praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do who think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. You must not do so. For your heavenly Father knows what you have need of before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you forgive men their trespasses against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you yours. And when you fast, do not be as the hypocrites who love to look dismal and disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by men. Truly I say unto you, they have the reward. But when you fast, when you fast, Anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth and rust do not consume and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. And if the eye is sound, the whole body will be full of light. But if the eye is not sound, the body will be full of darkness. And if that light in you is darkness instead, how great then is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. For either he will love the one and hate the other, or he'll despise the one and be devoted to the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Or, or which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life? Or why are you anxious about your clothing, which you shall put on? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say unto you that not even Solomon in all of his glory was arrayed as one of these. If your heavenly Father then so clothes the field of grass which today is alive and tomorrow is cast into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we put on? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you have need of before you ask him. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Judge not, 
lest you be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. How is it that you can notice a speck that is in your neighbor's eye and yet you did not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how is it that you can say to your neighbor, here, let me take the speck from your eye and yet you did not notice the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrites, first take the log from your own eye and then you'll be able to see clearly to take the speck from your neighbor's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs. Cast not your pearls before swine, lest they trample them underfoot and then turn and attack you. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. For which of you, having a son, if he asks you for a loaf of bread, would you give him a stone instead? Or if he asks you for a piece of fish, would you give him a serpent instead? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Therefore, whatsoever you would that men would do to you, do so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads unto destruction, and many there are that enter therein. But the gate is narrow, and the way is difficult that leads unto eternal life, and few there are that find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You shall know them by their fruit. For are figs gathered from thistles or grapes from thorns? Every good tree is producing good fruit. And every evil tree is producing bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, neither can an evil tree produce good fruit. Therefore I say unto you, you shall know them by their fruit. Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven 
but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. For in that day many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do many mighty works in your name? And I will say unto them, Depart from me, you workers of evil. I never knew you. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them shall be likened unto a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. But the house stood, for it had been founded upon the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And the house fell, and great was the fall of it. the history of the church many great sermons have been preached but you just heard the greatest sermon that was ever preached given by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on a mountain that was more like a hillside near the Sea of Galilee Matthew tells us at the end of chapter 7 that when Jesus had finished saying these things the crowds were amazed because he taught as one who had such authority, not like their teachers of the law. As Jesus was concluding the Sermon on the Mount, we talked about this last week, he, he concludes with application. It's not enough to just hear and understand. What will we do with what we've heard and what by faith we've understood? Jesus began as we saw last week, concluding with two ways teaching. There are two gates. There's a narrow gate, and that gate leads to life, but there is a 
broad and wide gate, and it leads to destruction. Because those gates lead to two roads. The narrow gate leads to the narrow road, the long road that is hard and difficult, but it has no end because it leads to eternal life. And then there is the wide road, the broad road that's entered through the broad gate, and it's a road that leads us to destruction. In the same way, Jesus concludes with the culmination of the sermon by describing two foundations. There's the foundation of solid rock and the foundation of sand. And what Jesus says here about the foundations at the end is ultimately what he's been saying all along. That when we build our lives upon Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ is the solid rock upon which we stand. We become true disciples who seek first Christ's kingdom above anything else. And when we build our lives on that kind of foundation, no matter what comes our way, we can stand firm in faith because that foundation is not one we've built. It has not been built by human hands. But that foundation is Jesus Christ himself, and that foundation is our stronghold, our solid rock, which will never fail. It's interesting when you think about the foundation of rock, the foundation of sand, what it looks like to not just step onto the narrow road, but to walk the narrow road. What Jesus describes here is both counterintuitive and countercultural. It's counterintuitive because the, firm the foundation he describes is certainly a firm foundation, and yet it is also the way of the poor in spirit and the peacemaker, and the persecuted. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said. And that foundation is also countercultural in that, like salt, it staves off the decay of this sinful world. And it shines light wherever there is shadow, wherever there is darkness. Consider this, the houses that are built upon the rock and the sand to the casual observer, they look alike on the outside. Jesus says it's not necessarily about what they look like on the outside, but it's about the foundation that is underneath. Most of the time when a house is built, you don't see the foundation anymore. But when a strong storm of life beats upon that house, that's when the foundation shows its strength. That's when we know whether our lives are built upon the solid rock that is Jesus Christ or upon a foundation that cannot withstand what comes our way. In many ways, people who claim to be Christians are just the same. We might look similar on the outside, but when the storms of life come and we are tested, that's when the foundation underneath becomes evident. Building our house upon the solid foundation of Jesus Christ and the word of God that has been given to us is not so much about having all the right knowledge, though the knowledge is important, but again, it's about what we do with that knowledge. Having all the right knowledge is not a substitute for obedience. And simply living a life where we do good things is also not a substitute for obedience 
to the will of our Heavenly Father. But the true disciple who seeks first Christ's kingdom is the one who lives by faith, who walks in obedience, who sees Jesus as Lord and leader and follows so closely behind him that as he kicks up dust from his feet, we are covered in it. As the Apostle James said, be doers of the word, not hearers only. As Jesus said here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the one who hears these words and does them, puts them into practice, that one is the one who builds his or her house, his or her life, upon the foundation of the solid rock. And I say to you again, Christ is that foundation. The true disciple who seeks first Christ's kingdom who builds his or her house on the rock is indeed the salt of the earth and the light of the world. What's built upon the foundation of Christ are not things like self-righteousness, hatred, lust, dishonesty, revenge, selfishness, greed, storing up treasures on earth, constantly worrying about tomorrow, or sitting in condescending judgment towards others. The solid rock of Jesus Christ is a firm foundation, but the foundation of sand is just as fragile as the human ego. When we build our lives upon the foundation that is solid, when we enter through the narrow gate, we step onto the narrow road and we walk that road as true disciples who seek first Christ's kingdom, what our lives demonstrate are things like generosity, things like righteousness, love and kindness and mercy and forgiveness. The things that Jesus not only taught us, but that Jesus showed us, he modeled for us. This is what a true disciple looks like. This is what true kingdom living is supposed to be. And the true disciple who seeks first Christ's kingdom, who steps onto that narrow road, who walks that road in faith and practice, never does so to be seen by people, but does so in obedience to the will of our Heavenly Father, who sees what we do in secret and has promised he will not fail to reward us. Not everyone who calls Jesus Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of our Father who is in heaven, that one will enter the kingdom. And that way is the way of the narrow gate. It's the path of the narrow road. It's not through the broad gate and the broad road that has no boundaries, that, that basically tells us we can set our own course. We don't need his help. The narrow road, the narrow way is the way that is difficult and it's hard and it requires us to follow Jesus in obedience, to seek the will of our Heavenly Father with all of our hearts and lives. But again, the good news of that road is it's really, really long. It's long because it has no end. It's the road to eternal life. And this morning, as you consider, there are two ways, there are two gates, there are two paths, there are two foundations the question is, upon which foundation are you building your life? 
And which road are you on? Have you entered through the narrow gate? When you say to Jesus, Lord, Lord, does he say about you, yes, I know you, you belong to me. I can't imagine having a better message to then call for a response from us than the words that Jesus preached on the mount to all those folks who were gathered there in Galilee that day. Jesus laid it out so perfectly for us, what it looks like to be obedient in our lives, to hear and to believe, to follow his example, to be true disciples who seek first his kingdom. Are you on that path? Are you building your life upon that foundation? Or right now, are you living completely for yourself? And are you constantly distracted from the narrow road that's in front of you to the right, to the left, in every direction? Today, the simple call as we move to our invitation is for you to focus your eyes on Jesus, the master teacher, but he's far more than that. He is our Lord and Savior. He is the master teacher, yes, but he's also the one who went to the cross for us. He, he lived out his life with such obedience that when he told us to forgive those who sin against us, he showed us his forgiveness for we who have sinned against him by saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And he died on the cross so that we, even though we are sinful, might be made right with God. He went to the cross for us so that we, even though we are dead in our sins and transgressions, might be alive in him. And yes, that life is eternal life, but it's also the fullness of life now as we walk with Jesus. Because, listen to me, when we walk that narrow road, we are walking with him. Jesus went to the cross for us. He died on that cross, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. He defeated sin and death, and because of that, we can say without question, we too can be brought from death into life, from darkness into light. Not sure how much clearer we can make this invitation today, but as we have this last time of worship, this is an opportunity for you right now to be fully present, to not worry about tomorrow or 10 minutes from now, to be fully present with the Lord and, and ask him to search your heart and to take a step of obedience, whatever that looks like for you. I'm going to lead us in prayer. James is going to come lead us in a song. As you worship and as you sing, each and every one of us, let this be the next step or maybe even for you the first step in obedience to God, his will through Jesus Christ. And as I pray for us today, if you know the Lord is speaking to your heart, we we want you to have the opportunity to step out and to come to Jesus. Lord, I thank you that today we have heard from what in most of our Bibles are letters that are all in red. They are specific words that Jesus Christ, speaking the, the words of God, wanted us to hear all together to remember his teaching and his example and for us to have such a clear picture of what it looks like to be a true disciple who follows Jesus and who seeks his kingdom and who does the will of our Heavenly Father. I pray, Lord, that you would take this teaching, that you would help it to be planted deeply in our hearts and to bear fruit. And I pray today, Lord, that if there's anyone who feels like their life is being built on an unsure foundation or they are on a path that 
they know in their heart is only going to lead to destruction. Today, Lord, would you show them the cross? Would you show them Jesus, who is the narrow gate, the gate for the sheep, who is the one who leads us down the narrow path, who is the solid foundation upon which we build our lives? And Lord, may every heart and life in this place rest in you. And would you speak to us and be present with us in this moment? In Jesus' name, amen.